Alrighty. Good morning, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And um, Wiz, we got a lot of stuff going on in the NFL. And uh, by the end of the week, when the dust settles, uh, we're going to get a lot more information as we then head into the NFL draft time. But wow, it's wild and woolly out there on this uh, St. Patty's Day. Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing doing well. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of movement, uh, a flurry of activity, then a little bit of a lull, then uh, uh, you know m- more of uh, you know the the signings that are coming in uh, fast and furious. You know, even as recently as just a little while ago this morning, and uh, yeah, we um, we thought that that was going to happen, and uh, we were talking about the three teams that had that most uh, money to to take advantage of the salary cap space this year, the Jags, the Jets, and the Patriots. And, uh, boy, the Patriots meant business this offseason. They probably were steaming watching Tom Brady win the Super Bowl and feeling that their organization was being considered uh, on its way down. So uh, they were were so active uh, as soon as it became available. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And just uh, just to mention to our listeners, uh, you know, Wiz and I have actually been doing this for basically exactly a year. Uh, a, a year ago this week is is kind of when we uh, started on this odyssey, and uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this. And uh, you know, again, ho- hopefully, we continue to gain traction and listenership. Um, you know, Wiz and I spend a lot of time on <clears throat> our analysis, and um, we really do enjoy uh, talking about it and the NFL and, and what it means for fantasy football. So we do appreciate those who, who are on board already and uh, tell, tell more folks out there to get involved. And, uh, you know, let, let's start with the Patriots because uh, you mentioned it. And, I, and I've been intrigued by the Patriots as a whole because, you know, they've kind of been, <clears throat> after last year's debacle, a little bit of a, an afterthought in the division. Uh, Josh Allen and the Bills kind of taking the t- taking the bull by the horns last year. And we mentioned, you know, we've talked a lot about Mi- both Miami and the Jets with, with a tremendous amount of both uh, what they have in the draft and, and, and cap room and, and such. So uh, a big statement made by the New England Patriots. I, I, you know, look, this is still an incomplete puzzle because you and I both think they're going to draft a quarterback in that first round. Um Probably overspent a bit in my estimation. I'm kind of shocked how much they spent on Cam Newton. Uh, we mentioned the fact that they have a number of defenders that are coming back into this um, into this very strong defense from from 2019. Uh, so you get the return of those guys. They make a bunch of signings on the defensive side of the ball. Curiously, you know, they signed the two best tight ends that were available in free agency, in my opinion. That was John U. Smith and, and Hunter Henry. So uh, and, and add a couple of pieces in the receiving core. So. Okay, so how are you thinking about the Patriots now? Again, Bill Belichick, you've mentioned this a number of times. He's quite good at kind of putting together pieces to the puzzle. Do you think that they've kind of put themselves back on the map here to say, you know what, that was one year, that was that, but don't overlook the Patriots now. We are coming to get you in 2021. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> talked about this at the, <clears throat> the last podcast that, this is what Belichick is really elite at <clears throat> contracts, salary cap. And it appears to me that while, you know, it looked like the Jets, Jags, and Patriots were about to have a three team Olympic sprint, it appears that the Patriots were in the starting block ready to go while the Jets and Jags are still stretching. That would be the analogy I would use. And uh, <clears throat> they obviously had their eye on Matthew Judon, who is a, a perfect fit for that defense. Where- Versatile, play a lot of defense uh, positions on defense. 
they that was the that was the thing they did first and foremost. They got two receivers, one receiver especially that can stretch the field in Aguilar, another one in Kendrick Bourne. But I find the two tight end signings the most intriguing of Henry and John o. Smith. And <clears throat> I believe um that is with um that that's with the intentions of, of of drafting Mac Jones because um I just feel like the biggest I guess comfort you could give to a rookie quarterback is having tight ends that can get open and can throw the ball to them. So I, I I think that, you know, it was done with the idea of wanting to have that two tight end offense have, and then signing unbelievably clearly the two best tight ends that are in the free agent market, maybe with the intentions of <clears throat> knowing up ahead that they're going to have a rookie quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I just feel that on defense, they, they, they drafted, they, I mean, not drafted, they, they were able to sign some players on defense with some, um, with some versatility. And, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's going to help. And, you know, aside from Judon, Jalen Mills is another type of player who can play, you know, a few positions in that secondary. So I think versatility on defense, some explosiveness on offense, and then trying to get two tight ends and succeeding in getting two tight ends, maybe to give a comfort level to a quarterback like Mac Jones is what I think the ultimate goal for the Patriots is. Yeah, and we don't know how things are going to shake out with Julian Edelman, who's coming off of an injury. Uh, at, at the running back position, there's been some rumors that the Patriots are actually looking at, at, at Leonard Fournette, despite the fact that they have both Damian Harris and um, uh, and Sony Michelle still there. They're, they're going to pretend, they're probably going to lose both uh, Rex Burkhead and uh, James White. James White uh, continued to be rumored towards heading towards Tampa Bay, which you know Wiz and I both mentioned as, as as a likely stop, and that seems to be gaining some traction. But how do you feel? So I'll ask you a couple of questions because I'm kind of vexed here at, 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 with the tight end situation because you know now you have two very strong tight ends. Now, granted, I think John o. Smith was a little bit more TD centric um, as a player in fantasy last year. So you, you got these two guys playing on the same team in already an offense that's kind of not pass first, um, but maybe that changes a little bit depending on what they do at the quarterback in the draft. And then adding guys like Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar, while not necessarily staples or number one receivers, number two receivers, but look, in the case of Aguilar, he, he actually was the number one receiver last year for the Raiders. Kendrick Bourne seems to have a nose for the end zone. Uh, at least that was the case in 2019, and he filled in last year uh, when the injuries piled up for the uh, for the Niners, uh, you know, again, you know, this in this in this league, you got to compete with a passing game. Uh, defense is important. Don't get me wrong, but you need to have some sort of passing game. And last year, you know, the New England Patriots were unable to do anything on offense, which basically made, they they were rendered useless from a fantasy perspective last year. Yeah, I mean, going back to the tight ends, I mean, they 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 have two different specialties. Hunter Henry was at the top of the list in third down conversions, which is a tremendously important stat in the NFL. And John Smith is a beast around the red zone, especially when they get, you know, inside the 10 yard line, he's big, he's fast target. And he has that knack for <clears throat> touchdown. So two tight ends, different skill sets, but red zone scoring and third down conversions are what they 
lead at, and I'm sure Belichick studied and looked at that stat carefully and added to the you know importance of getting those players. And you know, Aguilar really turned it around. Uh, I, I feel as far as Kendrick Bourne's concerned, the Patriots like. I don't know how it overpaid. They didn't buy low on him. They certainly paid him a premium for the type of receiver he's been. So I'm not sure what the future of Edelman is, especially considering Bourne is probably best served as a slot receiver. So who knows if Edelman and White are going to eventually end up joining the party in Tampa Bay. But just keeping it with the Patriots, um, look, I just feel that they had this advantage this year in free agency, and if it cost them paying up for some players that they normally wouldn't, look, the Patriots spent more money in guaranteed money in free agency in the first five hours of this year's free agent market than the previous three years combined. They understood the advantage that they had. They went after it. I'm not sure... You know, if the Jets missed out on some of those players or, or what happened there or the Patriots just were quicker or the Jets have other things in mind. But, you know, the Patriots understood the advantage they had and they just went after those players. And uh, some of them, I think, make sense. Some of them, I don't quite frankly think the Patriots would have bothered with in a regular free agent salary cap year. All right. Now, but before we get on to guys that have actually signed, um, you know, there, there, and, and I know we have a number of days kind of left before the end of the week when, when we probably get a, a number of these situations uh, uh, sorted out. But let's look at the players that have actually not signed yet and kind of what we think about what's going on. So, you know, we have some, some elite playmakers at, at the receiver position, guys like Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, uh, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster at the running back position, Kenyon Drake. Chris Carson come to mind is kind of the top guys that are kind of available at the moment, you know, given that Aaron Jones uh, looks well, like probably Fournette's in somewhere. In that I, I was going to say, and, and Fournette as well. So how are you thinking about those players before we kind of talk about some of the other moves that have taken place? Because I think people are kind of waiting here and watching very closely on what's going to happen. You know, do the Jets actually spend money on one of these guys at the receiver position? Because there's going to be a need there for them. Um, the Giants have been rumored uh, in, in the Kenny Galladay stakes. Miami, obviously, still being mentioned for a number of these players. Um, as you mentioned in the last podcast, you thought Curtis Samuel potentially could reunite with Ron Rivera, and that seems to be gaining some traction as well. Um, so how are you thinking about these players that have not been signed yet? Yeah, I think I'd be um I, I think I'd be a little a little concerned here what's happening uh if I'm one of those four guys. I'm not sure if if one of those four or more are gonna have to kind of accept signing a one year deal what John Brown did this morning with the Raiders, where next year, you know, it, it'll be uh, you know the, the the ability to pay will be will be there for much more of the league. So I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. I'm not sure which of these guys are going to get a long term deal. I think with Galladay and Smith Schuster, it's more of at this point. I think teams are a little concerned with their ability to separate from defenders. Um, Kenny Galladay is more of an elite 50-50 type ball catcher, and there are a lot of teams in the NFL 
that don't like to throw that type of pass. Matt Stafford is a guy who does throw that type of pass, but there are a lot of teams like who do not want to, you know, throw that type of pass. So I think that he's an elite 50-50 ball catcher. Separation's a concern, and there has to be the same feeling about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not sure if teams perceive him as, at this point as a slot receiver or a, you know, a wide receiver where there's a big difference as far as when it comes to getting paid. And uh, if teams are looking at him as a slot receiver to what he did last year, I'm not sure, you know, what that contract is going to look like. Will Fuller is is a different kind of a situation um, where there's no question about his ability to, to, to separate from the defenders, but then you have – He's kind of been, you know, his durability has been an issue. The He's going to be suspended for the first game of the year. You're concerned about that. So I think there are different things with uh, with these different receivers. And uh, as far as Curtis Samuel goes, I think that one is just going to be a matter of which fit works best for the team and the player um, because he's a different type of player. So uh, I think that's what that is about. But the other ones uh, are for different reasons. So you may see one or more of those receivers follow what John Brown did and just sign a one-year deal and then reevaluate after that. Yeah, look, John Brown is is not a young guy anymore. Um, he is two years removed from a 1,000-yard season with the Buffalo Bills last year. Injuries and obviously the addition of uh, Stephen Diggs took that away. But now he hits the Raiders that had, you know, really no significant consistency in the receiving core. While we, like, we were kind of excited about guys like Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro. None of those guys was shown any kind of consistency in that passing offense. And now John Brown goes to the Raiders, you know, obviously outside of, uh, and by the way, the Raiders, I don't know what the hell they're doing on that offensive line, but that's something that needs to be watched very closely. This is a team that that left last season with one of the stronger offensive lines, and right now it's in tatters. Uh, I already mentioned that I will not be going near Josh Jacobs, and this is just, just throw throw this on the pile as to another reason why Josh Jacobs will not be part of uh, my my any of my fantasy teams uh, in the upcoming season outside of usage. But there are some concerns that I have significantly here with the losses on that offensive line by the Raiders. But you know, John Brown again, yeah, he takes a chance and 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 a one year deal. You know, he could potentially be the number one receiver for the Raiders, actually. Yeah, he he could be, and uh, you know, just you know, definitely. I mean, Ruggs is very inconsistent, and I hated the way they used him last year, and. Same thing could be said for Hunter Renfro. They're not really letting him do what he does best, really work that slot. <clears throat> but I'd be surprised if the Dolphins didn't stick their nose in there and try and get a Kenny Galladay. You know, look, if they feel they're not going to get Deshaun Watson and <clears throat> they're going to go with Tour, I mean, the way to add that firepower is – Try and get one of those guys in free agency. Take either Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith with that number three pick, and now you have something really there with those receivers. So I would look at the Dolphins as the favorite to get one of those type receivers and then also draft a cha- Jamar Chase most likely. <clears throat> and and that would that would help, you know, a deficiency that they had, and they really want to help their young quarterback. So that's how I see that playing out. But, yeah, it looks like um, the longer this goes on, 
the more intriguing, if you will, it's going to come for those receivers, especially someone like Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, so l- let's talk a little bit about these quarterbacks that are, that are actually moving around. And, and, and I think two curious signings um, that, that I saw happen, and, and, and we know there was a lot of rumors around Russell Wilson, the Bears definitely trying to make an attempt to acquire him, um, you know, the, the Washington football team. So, so, and they end up signing Andy Dalton for a one-year $10 million contract. Um, same thing gets done by the Washington football team, bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick in. So, so let's look at those two situations where two, two guys who have been in this league a long time, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think this is his ninth football team. Um, Andy Dalton has had a lot of success in this league before. I think he got a little bit more comfortable once – once his spell with COVID and injuries got over, I think he actually finished the season pretty strongly here. But those two situations, do you look at the and, and what does that mean for somebody like Mitch Trubisky now? Um, Nick Foles also being there. And obviously on the Washington football team, you got Tyler Henneke, who they also signed. So how do you see those two teams shaking out? A big winner in fantasy so far to me is Terry McLaurin, um, who is – one of these receivers that is so talented and just hasn't played with much good quarterback play, his best route is that slant route. He runs it to perfection, and now he's getting a quarterback who loves throwing that pass. So as far as Terry McLaurin, I mean, I haven't really sat down and given this much thought, but just off the top of my head, Terry McLaurin's a big winner uh, if you have him in any dynasty league so far and for the upcoming season, at least as far as I'm concerned, he's going to get a big upgrade at the wide receiver position. But yeah, I think you know, if he could stay consistent, if he could stay away from the Fitz tragic and show a little bit more of the Fitz magic, um, he's got a defense that I believe he's going to help win a lot of games. As far as the Bears go, I think they just were dying and doing anything they could to try and get Seattle to budge on Russell Wilson. And once that went, uh, you know, you know, the way of like Seattle at this point, just not going to move Russell Wilson, that the Bears said, okay, you know, we got to do something. So I think, you know, they have Dalton, but I'm not necessarily sure that that story's finished yet at quarterback for the Bears because if things get to the point where Seattle says, okay, we're going to listen now, or, um, you know, we're willing to talk, Russ Wilson, I think the Bears are going to be in there. The problem for the Bears is this. Number one, they don't have a quarterback to give Seattle back something that the Dolphins can do, something that the Jets can do. Like, they don't have a young quarterback that they give back as a starting point. That's one. Number two, they don't have a high pick. They have the 20th pick. That's not going to work for Seattle to help them get a quarterback to replace Russell Wilson. The Jets have the number two pick. The Dolphins have the number three pick. At this point... You know, unless the Bears are going to be willing to do a Minnesota Vikings, Dallas Cowboys type deal for Herschel Walker, where they're willing to give up like first rounders for the next five years or something like that, the Bears just don't have the firepower to give the Seahawks back in return. So the Washington football team, I believe they got themselves a quarterback. I think they still could draft a rookie quarterback and then have a good situation uh, with letting you know Fitzpatrick run the team this year and have the rookie quarterback learn from him. Um, but 
I think the Bears situation was completely different where they went all in to try and get the Seahawks to budge on Russ Wilson, but they don't have the firepower with a quarterback or a draft pick this year to get that done. So they said, okay, on to the next step, plan B. And I guess that was Andy Dalton. So is he the answer for the Bears? I, I really don't think so. Yeah, so, you know, I'm very interested. This division, uh, you know, you, you talk about the Washington football team. I love the signing of Fitzpatrick. I think it's I think it's really good for this offense. If they you bring love him. I do. You love that player. I love the player. I, I love his enthusiasm. I love the way teams uh, embrace him and how he is. He ends up being a real lightning rod and, and a leadership guy and a guy who actually relishes his role. He he's not a moper. He's not a guy. You know, he he is a he is a he is a. He is a great teammate, um, and, and I love his moxie. And so if you tell me, uh, look, I love what Logan Thomas did at the end of last year. Uh, he, you know, I, I think the most success that Terry McLaurin has actually had at the wide, wide receiver position in terms of consistency were those few games that he played with Case Keenum as quarterback, which wasn't much. It was probably about five or six games uh, back in 2019. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Terry McLaurin rises up in, in all the boards if Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback. And I think right now, you know, that division, while the Eagles are probably going to bring, bring it up the rear in the NFC East, I think things get very interesting at the top of the division between, uh, you know, a Dallas Cowboy team with Dak Prescott at the helm and a uh, Washington football team with, with that defense uh, a young running back and some young stars on offense, an up-and-coming tight end, and God forbid they sign someone like Curtis Samuel. You know, the Washington football team is going to be looked at in a very glowing way coming coming into the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I completely agree with that. I just think, uh, you know, we're going to have to see where these final pieces go as far as wide receivers and, and, and where they land. But it looks to me on paper right now, that with the offensive players that Dallas has and the defensive line that Washington has now bringing in Fitzpatrick, it seems like there's kind of a separation between Dallas and Washington and then the Giants and the Eagles as far as I see it. But uh, things could change. There's still a lot of you know free agent signings and draft picks to be had, so there could be a reevaluation on that. But as we sit right here on uh, March 17th, it appears that, those two teams have kind of separated themselves. I, I want to go back to the two teams that lost those two elite tight ends, and that's the Tennessee Titans, who who did make the tight end a big part of what they did, uh, and, and the Los Angeles Chargers, who always have incorporated in their offense over you know between Gates and and and, and obviously Hunter Henry uh, as a big part of what they try to do. Um, the guys left, so Anthony Ferska signs a, signs a deal today, and, and I think he definitely flashed at moments when he got an opportunity uh, last season. And the guy I'm super intrigued by, and, and I'm curious, we haven't talked about this, but that kid Parham, Donald Parham, who's like 6'8", 250, um, that makes, you know, with, with Justin Herbert there, that, to me that is one of the more interesting players coming into the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, he 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 certainly was uh, an interesting guy. He was uh, a couple of spot starts at the end of the year when um, when uh, when Hunter Henry was hurt and, and wasn't playing. So yeah, I, I I agree. He's somebody that I think the perfect word for that is intriguing. Um, he's an intriguing pick and. Uh, Anytime you could have, you know, be starting and, and having a lot of offensive snaps um, 
with Justin Herbert. I think that that's a good thing. And uh, I'll be interested to see when I do my tight ends uh, rankings for the upcoming season where he is. But uh, uh, he's certainly uh, a name to keep an eye on. Certainly agree with that. Yeah, and again, it's it's early days, but I'm just kind of I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Um, I have been interested in some of these veterans that have been signing. We look at a guy like Marvin Jones going to Jacksonville. Emmanuel Sanders signs with the Buffalo Bills. So so guys are are, are locking up some of these kind of veteran guys, not exactly for a, a pile of money, but but guys that still are on top of their game. Um, amongst these type of players, I mentioned two here, and anybody else that kind of comes to mind. Who do you think actually lands in kind of the best situation amongst those players? Yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like Marvin Jones. Um, uh, more so for the Jags, Trevor Lawrence, the rest of the receivers, than, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, of course you'd rather have Mar- Marvin Jones in a wide open offense with Stafford throwing him the ball. But I-, I just love that pick, that free agent signing for the Jags, who have, you know, these young receivers, uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault is, is one of these guys that's just so easy to fall in love with. He's a wide receiver. He plays, he plays the game so hard and, and DJ shark. And, you know, you, you just, uh, what he bring will bring to that wide receiver room. The, his route running is really elite. You know, he's getting up there, you know, he's kind of like, you know, maybe near, you know, the, where you have to start thinking about a player, you know, starting to go on the decline a little bit. But I love that signing to the Jags, uh, helping Trevor Lawrence, helping the, those young wide receivers. So, you know, I'm not sure how much that's going to move Marvin Jones up as far as quarterback rankings go, but it's certainly going to give Trevor Lawrence and those other receivers somebody, a real professional route runner, um, to, to learn from. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm loving it for the Jags organization, period. And by the way, the Jags have been so busy. Um, obviously, they franchise uh, tag Cam Robinson. They've added a ton of guys on defense. Um, you know, Ohio State is where Urban Meyer was from, and even though he did not uh, recruit the player, he actually did play for Meyer, and that's Carlos Hyde, who also will be a nice addition, I think, to give James Robinson a little bit of a break, who really had no breaks last year. Um, but the, the Jaguars, and they've got all those picks coming up in, in, the, in the first couple of rounds. So, you know, the Jaguars are definitely on their way to kind of rebuilding in that division, and they're going to they're gonna compete, I think, you know, much more so than, and obviously, I don't think, you know, Deshaun Watson is going to be playing quarterback for the Houston Texans this year. But I think the one team that might make a little bit of noise in that division uh, to give Indianapolis and, and, and uh, Tennessee uh, some, some, some fight is, is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and you mentioned this a bunch of times. That team finished strong last year. Uh, and now they're adding a bunch of pieces, and they got Trevor Lawrence coming in and Urban Meyer. So there'll be a little bit of, of excitement and giddiness in, uh, in Duval this year, I think. I, I agree with that, and yeah, I think he's you know look. You, you mentioned this the last podcast. I mean, there was, James Robinson was like there was, there was no breaks for him. Like there, there was no other running back really on the roster. Uh, they were either all cut, hurt, released, or or whatever. So Hyde is definitely a good guy to bring in. As far as running backs, there's been some really interesting situations that have developed. You know, within the last 24 hours, one was the Kansas City Chiefs 
cutting Damian Williams, who opted out last year. So it's going to be interesting where he lands. And boy, that's a, you know a big upgrade for Carlos High. I mean, Clyde uh, Nichols, and with Delaire, who figured to maybe be in some sort of a, a committee. Now it looks like. The Kansas City Chiefs are like saying, okay, you're going to be our lead guy next year. So what normally would have been a downgrade for both of those running backs now turns into an upgrade, certainly for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and potentially for Damian, Damian Williams. And then one that was just, I, I feel, a devastating one for both running backs is Jamal Williams signed with the Lions and – Boy, talk about a downgrade of both of those running backs. Like, if, if it was all DeAndre Swift, you'd feel like he had to be, like, considered a top-10 guy going into next season. And depending where Williams signed, he could be, you know, uh, you know drafted as a running back one as well. But now kind of him being signed by the Lions kind of makes it a little bit murky there. Oh uh, yeah, I love that signing, by the way, because uh, I think Jamal Williams is a very underrated football player. He he is an out- I agree with that. He's an outstanding blocker and a tremendous pass catcher. Uh, so yeah, and, and the bad news for Swift, to, to your point, is Jamal Williams is, is too good of a football player yeah. to be just you know uh, somebody toting somebody's bag as far as running back goes. And uh, Jamal Williams, you know, I I was actually hoping, you know, for Jet fans out there that that Jamal Williams would actually end up with the Jets. I thought that would be a nice combination with those two young guys there. You know, you mentioned that Josh Adams did get signed there. So I'm still watching what the Jets are going to do at running back. Um, But yeah, I, I, it does make things a little bit more sketchy, I think, for for Damian, uh, for, for DeAndre Swift. But I think I think this is going to be a situation where again Dan Campbell, new football coach, so things will be different offensively here. But he is too good a football player that's not going to get on the field, and probably a player that catches somewhere between you know if you think about a J, you know we mentioned this like a JD McKissick role and that sort of situation. So so I think that's a big big situation there. I think by the way you know if if we talk about big situations in running games, you know what the San Francisco 49ers did with two players that are on there were on their roster last year that they made sure come back this year. Um, and that was Trent Williams, who they was announced that was getting re-signed to the, the biggest deal in the history of offensive linemen in the NFL. And, you know, the, the money that they threw at Kyle Juszczyk, who we've talked about and what he means when he's not on the field for San Francisco, it just kind of tells you what the Niners want to do. Uh, and those were two tremendous signings uh, in terms of size uh, and the magnitude of what it means for the San Francisco 49er football team. A hundred percent. And not only that, they added another piece. They signed Alex Mack from the Falcons, who is not the all-pro center he was, let's say, five years ago. But he's good. He knows what he's doing. He's a great signal caller. And uh, you talk about putting Mack in there at center, re-signing Trevor Williams, re-signing Jusek. Man, if it's Mostert, if it's Jeff Wilson... Whoever's there, San Francisco wants to get back to ground and pound. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I think both of those running backs that you just mentioned, both Mostert, who who was unable to stay on the field, you know that, and that, and again, when he did touch the ball, it seemed like he was gaining seven, eight, nine, ten yards every time he touched it. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, uh, you know, he won teams fantasy leagues last year with his tremendous pl- uh, play during the playoffs uh, in the fantasy season. But I think both of those players will be 
outside of the top, uh, they'll probably be outside the top 15, 20 uh, in terms of uh, drag, uh, draft prognostications by time all is said and done. Uh, but I'd be very intrigued to see who would end up getting kind of like the two-thirds share of that of that kind of ball-carrying duties. And uh, it's a situation that I'll be watching very closely in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think you almost have to treat the duo as a running back one, where if you're in an auction draft, if you draft Mostert or if you draft Wilson, you almost marry to getting the other guy because – if something was to happen to one, and as we've seen, you know, Mostert, you know, last year was on and off the field, and Wilson a little bit too. But the thing is, if either one of those guys would get to the lion's share of the carries for one reason or the other, with that offensive line, with Juszczyk at fullback, um, you're talking about clearly a running back one. So <clears throat> while separately maybe both considered outside the top 15, but if it's one or the other, they're inside the top 15, probably even inside the top 10 with that ground and pound type offense that the 49ers want to run. So very interested and in, um, watching how that situation plays out as well. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and there's been a lot of activity. Offensive linemen have been getting signed. You know, there's just uh, but but the running game, you know, becomes such an important ingredient, especially as the season wears on. We've seen this every single year. That's why it'll be very interesting to see where even guys like Kenyon Drake and, and Chris Carson end up. Uh, you know, we mentioned Fournette. You think, I think we talked about this uh, earlier, but you think Fournette, that actually there's going to be a play for Fournette by the Seattle Seahawks, correct? Yeah, I mean, I just think with what's going on with this Russell Wilson, it's like a you know a pot of water that you just feel is about to boil over any second. Like you just got to have a feeling like if they don't get him some semblance of a running game, um, that you know that that water could boil over. So I would be surprised if the Seahawks in this free agent you know did not address that and uh, and bring in Fournette or. Uh, or, or, or somebody of that nature that could uh, take a little bit of the, you know, the workload of, of Russ Wilson because he does not want to go back there and keep getting pounded and pounded, having to throw the ball because they can't run the ball at all. Yeah, and w- which would not be good. And then, look, Seattle's offense finished, you know, finished so poorly last year. Um, it, it, you know, again, this this was a situation. It's amazing how 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 quickly things can shift. If you think about where that offense was at the start of last year, Russell Wilson, you know, we were saying Russell Wilson's cooking and he was going crazy, and then they couldn't do anything in the second half of the year last year. So, yeah, a situation that definitely bears watching in a division where you're you're battling against three teams who are you know who really have the potential to continue to move up. Uh, I, I know you're not super high on, on terms of the progression of Kyla Murray, but obviously Matt Stafford moving to the Rams, and given that the, what the 49ers are doing, and the, the 49ers certainly tried to stay competitive in a year where they just had so many injuries, it was hard for them to do so. So Seattle, Seattle is definitely being watched very, very closely here, but apparently that asking price for Russell Wilson is, uh, is a very steep one. Yeah, and just one, you know, one other thing, you know, <clears throat> talking about free agent movement and players and and the quarterbacks, but also there are just some interesting things that I find happening with coordinator moves. And one that I'm keeping my eye on is 
I, you know, when you watch football as long as we've been watching it, you just have an understanding that some guys are just better suited to be coordinators, whether it's offensive, defense, as opposed to head coaches. I mean, I've always felt <clears throat> North Turner was as elite as an offensive coordinator as the NFL has almost ever seen, but he just wasn't good as a head coach. And I kind of have the same feeling on the other side of the football about Dan Quinn. And I just felt Mike Nolan was a complete disaster <laughs> as defensive coordinator for the Cowboys last year. They had guys that were just so out of place. And I think Dan Quinn, you know, he had the ta talent, obviously, with the Seahawks. So it's not like, you know, he, he, he should just be the one that's getting praised. They had a elite talent. But the switch from Nolan to Dan Quinn with the Cowboys, and I'm pretty sure they're going to draft a, a quarterback with the number 10 overall pick. And I'm just looking at that defense and then – you know, the teams in that division where you're probably going to have Jalen Hurts, a young guy, Fitzpatrick can be hot or cold. Daniel Jones is a quarterback that is prone to turnovers and, and, and fumbles. I'm just looking at that Cowboy defense with Dan Quinn because I thought it's a tremendous upgrade at coordinator defensively for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, it's Jerry Jones is celebrating uh, St. Patty's Day with these uh, coaching hires with Quinn and, um, you know, obviously last year head coach McCarthy. Uh, so, but that defense, they have some talent. What's going to happen? With, Alden Smith was signed to a one-year deal last year, correct? Yeah, I haven't seen anything about him. Yeah, and he produced. He produced. So that's a player that, you know, I don't know what his price tag is going to be, but, you know, he was he was making plays for that uh, defense on a consistent basis. So, so yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point because Dan Quinn was a very, very successful coordinator. He wasn't a good head coach uh, previously to getting that Atlanta gig. So, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. I, I will mention one thing, uh, Wiz. I, I thought a, for a team, I, I like the uh, Emmanuel Sanders comes at a very cheap price. Buffalo Bills returning champion of the AFC East last year, but I think they made three signings. By the way, in in free not free agency, but maintaining guys that they that that were potential free agents. Matt Milano is a difference maker on that defense, and both of the alignment of theirs that they resigned, Darrell Williams and John Feliciano, and we know what you know Josh Allen and his running game and, and what that means and protecting him obviously in the passing game, but very. Very underrated signings and making sure you get those guys in. I think the if you're the Buffalo Bills, you know, again coming into this season, you've got you've got a lot of talent on on both sides of the football. You got to be very very excited um, about the prospects for the future as it continues on. Obviously, the contract of Josh Allen being a being a relatively cheap value right now gives this team the luxury to do these kind of things this year. But but I think very important signings for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you had Gabriel Davis. Uh, as like a very cheap uh, pick in a dynasty league, you were saying, oh, here's my chance now with Smokey Brown going to the Raiders, and then in comes Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, that kind of ruins that. But he's another one of these guys, kind of like Marvin Jones, a real professional, an elite route runner, and, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful combination the Bills have uh, at wide receiver there. I just wanted to mention one other thing, because we talked about this at the you know at the start of this podcast about the Bears and the and the Cowboys and the Bears and the Seahawks, it, it's just come across that the Seahawks, to the point I was making that the problem was the Bears didn't have a quarterback or a good draft pick to give the Seahawks in return. It, it's coming across that the Seahawks turned down. 
three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two good starters from the Bears for Russell Wilson. So it just goes to show you, you know, the timing of it, the Bears just not having a quarterback or a draft pick this year that they can give the Seahawks because that's a tremendous offer. Oh yeah, tremendous offer. That's 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 unbelievable. That's an unbelievable offer. So so that will that's a great segue into what I was going to ask you about next. And um, to Sean Watson, where 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 is this right now? It sounds like he's actually looking to go to two different teams, and San Francisco and Denver, the two teams mentioned. Um, there was some legal stuff that come up where someone has accused him of something, which he's kind of flatly denied at this point in time. But I just want to kind of make sure that we're kind of still on the same page. Neither of us really do believe that Deshaun Watson will be playing quarterback for the Houston Texans. Is it conceivable that he's actually going to be the quarterback of those two teams that we've mentioned? Uh, can you see a type of deal being swung by one of those two players? No, no I can't. And I, I, I see it one, one of two ways. Either he's not going to play football next year or he's going to be with the Carolina Panthers because the Texans are going to do what's in the best interest of the Texans. And if the Texans say, okay, we're, 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 we're listening, the Panthers are willing to give up the world, literally the world, to get to Sean Watson, um, and offers that are not going to even be close to be matched. So the Texans are going to do what's in the best interest of the Texans. They're not going to, uh, you know, adhere to a player saying, I'm not playing for you anymore. Oh, and by the way, not only am I not playing for you, here are the only two teams I'm willing to go play for. That's ridiculous. You know, so I just see it as you know, it's going to be a, a, a stare down where neither guy blinks and he doesn't play or the Texans say, okay, yep, best offer. And the best offer is going to be to Carolina. It's to the NFC number one and number two. They are willing to give up whatever it takes to get the player. So those other teams, I don't even consider them factors. I, I view it as he doesn't play or he plays for the Panthers. And I'm not going to disagree because I think you've been kind of talking about that. Even when we did that first uh, show, when we actually uh, did that game, when we kind of tried to forecast where where the quarterbacks are going, you've been pretty adamant about your stance on, on where Deshaun Watson was going to be playing football in 2021. Yeah, I just think like, you know, you, you know, you know, listen, I understand about the leverage and all of this stuff, but you can't say I'm not playing. And by the way, if I do play, I have to go here. I have to go there. That, that, that you, you can't do that to a franchise, nor do I think a franchise should put up with that stuff. So um, if, 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 if they're going to move him and they're saying, okay, you know, we, we get, we get it. You're not, here, but we're going to trade you to the team that's going to offer us the most. That's going to be Carolina. So that's that's how I, I see playing it out. Now, from a standpoint of fantasy value, Denver has a lot, and we've talked about this a lot of good young talented players all over the football field on offense. And boy, what kind of upgrades would all of they, those players get if Deshaun Watson was to land there? But uh, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of wonderment, uh, you know, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, they have Sutton, they have Jerry Judy, they re-signed Tim Patrick, who had great games last year. Uh, they have Noah Font, uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Lindsey at running back. It's a really talented offensive crew. Um, but uh, the, the the consistency of, uh, of Drew Locke has definitely been something that is – 
right now, uh, you know, again, in development. So I don't know how much more patient they're going to be with that, but, you know, a definite situation that that with those type of talents on, on the offensive side of the football, you know, really need the consistency from the quarterback uh, in, in, order to, in, in order to be at the prominent level in, uh, in terms of offenses in the, NF, in the NFL. So, yeah, we'll be watching all these situations very closely. Anything else kind of strike you before we kind of sign off here in terms of, uh, you know, what you're waiting for, what's happened already, any, anything that I failed to kind of mention uh, or, or anything that you had on your mind here? I just think, you know, the workhorse running back, Chris Carson uh, and Leonard Fournette uh, at this point, and Kenyon Drake is the number three guy where they go. And then those four receivers, I mean, I think, you know, you're talking about maybe seven impactful players potentially. Um, it's not the elite of the elite because Aaron Jones resigned with Green Bay. Um Allen Robinson uh, got tagged by the Bears. So those those elite of the elite guys weren't actually in the open market. But these seven players uh, with Samuel, Juju, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, and then the three running backs that I mentioned, uh, Fournette Carson and uh, Kenyon Drake, landing spots are going to be interesting. So I assume that's going to happen in the next, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours. So when we do our podcast on Saturday morning, we should kind of have the results of that. Uh, yeah, look forward to that. And uh, again, we've had a great time doing this. It's like I said, this is a week, a year ago. Uh, this week, we uh, we started this podcast. We've been having a great time uh, with it. Uh, I think it's kind of coming into shape and, and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to express on, on a weekly basis to folks out there uh, who enjoy the game of football and, and, and how, how that how that feeds into fantasy football. So um, love having the discussion with it's been it's been a real pleasure and uh, look forward to this upcoming season. Season, of course, which will be a little bit more normal season as we kind of break away from COVID and, and, and reopen the reopen the world, uh, you know, in, in a way that we haven't seen in some time. So, yeah, really excited about the, the way things play out and, and want to remind everybody, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe. It comes right into your inbox. It's very simple stuff. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to catch up Saturday to see uh, where some of these pieces are. We know that we've got friends of ours out there, especially a Jet fans are watching everything closely because they haven't done anything yet. Uh, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of dust still to be settled here uh, in terms of figuring out the direction of NFL teams uh, for the upcoming season. But definitely some exciting stuff has happened, but there's some big names still available out there. Yeah, and I think for Jets fans, it should mark March 26th on their calendar. Uh, that's the day that BYU is having their pro day workout. And uh, I believe the quarterback uh, who will be quarterbacking the Jets for the next 10 years um, will be working out that day, Zach Wilson. So mark that day in your calendar, tape the NFL Network that day, and, uh, and watch his workout because I think he is just absolutely terrific can make all the flows in uh, today's NFL with having uh, some uh, uh, elusiveness and being able to run the ball as well uh, he, he brings it all to the table so uh, I love that player and uh, and I think Jets fans will uh, love him as well so March 26 is uh, his uh, his workout day all right awesome Wiz. well you have a good rest of your day happy St. Patty's Day everybody out there drink responsibly and we will catch up with you all on Saturday have a good one